0: A reading from the first book of Kings. When Solomon was old, his wives had turned his heart to strange gods, and his heart was not entirely with the Lord his God, as the heart of his father David had been. By adoring Astra, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Melchon, the idols of the Ammonites, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not follow him, unreservingly, as his father David had done. Solomon then built a high place to Shemosh, the idol of Moab, and to Melech, the idol of the Ammonites, on the hill opposite Jerusalem. He did the same for all his foreign wives, who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. The Lord, therefore, became angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. For though the Lord had forbidden him this very act of following strange gods, Solomon had not obeyed him. So the Lord said to Solomon, "'Since this is what you want, "'and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes, "'which I enjoined on you, "'I will deprive you of the kingdom "'and give it to your servant. "'I will not do this during your lifetime, however, for the sake of your father David, it is your son whom I will deprive, nor will I take away the whole kingdom. I will leave your son one tribe for the sake of my servant David and of Jerusalem which I have chosen. <laughs> Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Blessed are they who observe what is right, who do always what is just. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Visit us with your saving help. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. But they mingled with the nations and learned their works. They served their idols, which became a snare for them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons, and the Lord grew angry with his people and abhorred his inheritance.
1: hominus vobiscum lectio sancti vangeli secundum mordicum Jesus went to the district of Tyre. He entered a house and wanted no one to know about it, but he could not escape notice. Soon a woman, whose daughter had an unclean spirit, heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syro-Phoenician by birth, and she begged him to drive the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs she replied and said to him lord even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps then he said to her for saying this you may go the demon has gone out of your daughter when the woman went home she found the child lying in bed and the demon gone (laughs) verbum domini celebrating liturgically just the, the Thursday, the fifth week of Ordinary Time, but it's also the optional memorial today of St. Josephine Bikita, who was canonized by John Paul II. She's a patroness among one of the things is of those enslaved. And today there's great uh, many, many people that are enslaved across the world. <clears throat> so we ask her in her session today but she has such a, a compelling story. Pope Benedict wrote about her in his uh, his document on hope. And her story is that in 1869 she was born in the Sudan in Darfur. She died in 1947 in Italy. But at nine years old or so, she was kidnapped by slave traders, routinely beaten, sold five times in the markets of the Sudan of Sudan. Uh, She was forced to walk 600 miles barefoot and was a slave for 12 years. The last part was in Italy uh, where they outlawed slavery and she was freed there. But she bore 144 scars on her body uh, from beatings and even intentional scarring and tattooing. But she was, in 1882, bought by the Italian council in in the sedan Callisto Legnani, who would return uh, to Italy with her and she would be freed there. And that was not far, like 15 miles or so, from Venice. And she would be taught uh, the Christian faith, taught about the Lord, whom she called Perone, which meant master in their dialect, the Italian dialect in that region. And this master was the one, Benedict writes, that to whom all other masters are servants, yet himself submitted to being flogged and crucified. So she would immediately be drawn to the witness of Christ, his sufferings, and even in the kinds of sufferings that he endured, she could identify with to some degree. In 1890, she would be baptized and confirmed, received communion in 1896, in January of 96, and then in December of that year, made vows with the Kenosha sisters and became a religious. And with the Kenosha sisters, she worked in the sacristy, she worked as the porter, and she traveled around Italy to promote the missions. Her heart was in Africa for her people and things, and she would promote the missions there that they may be taught about the faith. In her later years, she suffered uh, greatly uh, physically and she would simply say with a smile, as the master desires, that she would accept the situation those sufferings. Her last audible words were on a Saturday. She said, yes, I am so happy. Our lady, our lady. Those were her last words. And Pope Benedict would write about how she's an outstanding witness of of hope that she had received through her faith something of this future promise, this relationship with the Lord, this new fullness. One time she was asked if she would meet her captors or even her torturers. She would say, I would kneel and kiss their hands. For if these things had not happened, I would not have been a Christian and a religious today that gift she had received, that new trajectory given to her life by the Lord, overshadowed, overwhelmed everything else in her life, all the sufferings. And even at the end, you know, in her, at the end, which I guess was in and out of consciousness, she would, she'd cry out, loosen the chains for they are so tight that she would have this trauma I guess she had in her life that they would have these flashbacks. Some writers say that, talk about a, a mystical limp that we can have from wounds that we've received, maybe in our sinfulness or sins of others. This limp that we have never goes away. Maybe you could say it's like a thorn in the flesh, but it causes us, calls us to be dependent on the Lord, to come to him in faith, to ask for help. So Pope Benedict would write, he said, faith is not merely reaching out, it gives us something, something of the reality we are waiting for. This communion with the Lord, this beatific vision, this heavenly life, that faith brings it into our life now. It draws the future into the presence, the substance of things to come, things hoped for. And in our our difficulties, We could know this closeness to the Lord that who sustains us. And as Benedict would write so beautifully, who's waiting us, that we who is awaiting us, that he is that we are loved and he waits for us, that we have a home, a place that we ultimately are to be, and we can experience something of that now in life's difficulties, and with the the limps, the mystical limps that we probably all have to some degree. I think we see something of this witness in the reading today from the gospel. This woman that comes to Jesus in the district of Tyre, we're told she was Greek, Syrophoenician by birth, and this is in the northern coastal regions of Israel, way north of Jerusalem along the Mediterranean, Tyre and Sidon were these coastal cities. And they were known, the Canaanites were there, they were known for their pagan idolatry, even at the time of of Jesus. The Israelites were to go in to the Promised Land and to conquer all these nations, to drive out all this idolatry. We can see in the first ring Solomon through his wives and marrying them, he took on their practices, their gods, and set up altars and things and fell away. This is always our temptation to turn to false idols and things. And the Israelites were to go in and clear these up, but they didn't completely finish that conquest. So these pagans, these Canaanites, their ancestors were still there practicing idolatry. So in this place, Of lack of faith, Jesus is drawn by this one woman's faith and her humility. She keeps crying out. We see that in Matthew's version. This is Mark today. But she cries out, I think it's like three times. God doesn't always immediately answer our petitions in a knee jerk fashion, (laughs) sometimes he draws virtues out of us and can make us a witness through persevering faith, through humility. But our Lord can't refuse that humility. He's drawn to it. And they have this little, and remember like the preceding scene yesterday, he he talks, he's battling the scribes and Pharisees about, he wants to purify the heart. He says he's These food laws and things that you've even sometimes add to the burden of the people through an oral law, he said, you know, that doesn't get at the heart. That goes into the stomach, right? It just passes out. He wants the heart to be transformed, and this is where virtue and vice come out of or live, and where decisions that are made. So he's coming from that hardness of heart he's encountered with the scribes and pharisees to this unexpected place of faith with the syrophoenician woman he's going to the borders to those outside the inheritance of god and that's where we are when we sin right we're walking away from the house of the lord and there we tend to make quick judgments of others about good and evil. We tend uh, to have a lack of acceptance of others and their life conditions. We lose our focus on the Lord. We don't recognize ourselves as sinners there. But she comes breaking through all this out of maybe our love for her daughter to be exercised of this demon and cries out in faith and humility. So when Jesus speaks about that it's not right to take the food of children, throw it to the dogs, your commentators believe he's talking about his, his earthly mission is first primarily with Israel. He's the Messiah of the chosen people. He's the son of David. And around this Israel and the new Israel that those who have repented and have faith, the Gentile nations are to come and receive the true faith. after Israel is made whole, which he's come to unite all the 12 tribes of the north and the south, the north had been devastated completely, a couple in the south, but to unite them and to bring them to faith, you know, in himself as the Savior, the Messiah. And we know the story that the leaders of Israel rejects our Lord. He dies on the cross for us. And for all of us who are sinners, he dies for us. Israel's the new Israel's called to be a light for all the nations. We too are called to be a light through our faith, through our hope, through turning to the Lord in great sufferings and difficulties. And today, Bakita is certainly a witness to that suffered so much, damaged so much, wounded so much, and has this beautiful faith in the Lord, this beautiful acceptance. May we take our difficulties, our hurts, and our wounds, recognize them as opportunities to grab hold of the Lord in a deeper way, to receive from him all the promises he wants to give us, and in that healing, uh, to be a witness.